0: 24-17, Colts lose last night. They play one good quarter. Four, seven, and one now on the season. To talk more about that, I know he had a late night, so I appreciate him waking up with us. He's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Nate, I want to go to the fourth quarter, that final drive, and just the time management from Jeff Saturday. As you were watching that unfold, maybe here in the Saturday explanation afterwards. Um, what were your opinions or what what are your opinions on how they handled that situation?
1: Interesting. You don't often see a team that's, you know, in hurry-up mode like that and they get to a turn down play and the clock's under a minute and they're down a touchdown. They've got all three timeouts and they're just not very interested in using them. And uh, just an explanation for it, I mean, I understood I understood sort of the general, I guess, philosophy of it. His idea was that, because you have three timeouts, it, it didn't, you know, whether it was 50 seconds, a minute left, I mean, they were going to be able to control, and they, they felt like they had the number of plays they'd have either way. And I think in his mind he's thinking you know, they had this game plan of, of hurry up to the line when you have a play like that, a, a chunk play, uh, and, and just run with Jonathan Taylor and hope that that becomes the surprise. Uh, problem is they didn't really, you know, they didn't hurry up. They, they let like 18 seconds go off the clock. Uh, and then they snap it. And then, you know, then the run play doesn't work. And it's, you know, it just was, I, again, I kind of understand some of the philosophy of it, but it's definitely not what I would have done. Cause you're in a situation there where, uh, you know, they're down to like the 26 yard line and they've got, all of a sudden they've got 30 seconds to go that many, you know, that many yards and that you don't know how many plays you're going to have left if you get the first or whatnot. But You've got a, a play caller in his third game in, in Park right. Frazier, and I, I just thought they could have given him a moment to, you know, timeouts are not just to, to stop the clock from running. It's also to give yourself time to do the best that you can do, and I thought they could have come up with a two-play sequence there, or at least come up with a situation where they're putting it on Matt Ryan and his ability to get to the line and read it. That's how they've come back in the past. This one just felt a little bit forced, like they were trying to force a new identity, and uh it really did not end up working out.
0: You know, and a little bit more on that, Nate, like you also had two rookies playing prominent roles on that final drive. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's not used to being on the field in those moments. I, I, I get that, you know, that might not, you know, matter, but he's not typically a two-minute back there. Um, the other thing, too, is, and I know I'm probably nitpicking a little bit, you know, if you take a timeout after the scramble, you know, maybe it gives a chance for the booth to review that if there was a question about the spot. Um, I also thought, you know, maybe take a timeout there at the end when Pittsburgh was kneeling. It just the fact that it's a rookie quarterback and an injured center. I, I don't know. I, I know that's grasping at straws a bit there, but I just thought there were other areas to where, even if you got the fourth down, you still are taking a timeout there, thirty seconds to go twenty some yards with one timeout. Considering this offense, that's no guarantee. Yeah, it's one of
1: those where I, I just think a. Uh, you know, you've got to have a plan or some idea of, of when you might use those timeouts because you can't take them with you, and they need to be they need to be to your advantage. Whether that is stopping the clock, whether that's yeah making Steelers at least at least snap in another couple plays and see what happens, or whether that's just giving your your offense a chance to breathe because, like you said, it's it's so hard for them to gain yards and and do all of the things that you're asking them to do anyway. So so use them to your advantage. And the Taylor thing is interesting because. Just the week before, like you mentioned, they had Dion Jackson in there as the two-minute back, and I I followed up on that the next day, and Jeff Saturday made it made it sound very matter of fact. well, Dion's the two-minute back, that's why he's in there. That's that's always the plan. And this week was like the opposite of that, where it was very matter of fact. Like, oh, JT is the guy we go to and hand off to with 30 seconds left. That's the plan. And it just feels a little bit like they're they're kind of making it up as they go along, which is what's happening because you know this is a new role for Jeff Saturday for Parks Frazier and you know they it's an offense that they they stepped into and was not very good And they're trying to find kind of anything they can get to to, to get it going so it's one of those it's kind of tricky because on one hand you want to you know you give them credit for trying new things and, and try to make adjustments but at the same time I just I, I think ultimately what they needed to do more was lean on Matt Ryan and his expertise and kind of let him guide those moments as they're kind of getting their feet under them and uh, and I think they paid for it last night.
2: Our guest is Nate Atkins. He's on the Payless Less Liquors Hotline. Nate, I had posed this question earlier to Kevin. I've asked it kind of rhetorically over the last couple of weeks, but I'm curious your opinion on it. Are the Colts now at a bit of a crossroads or a pickle because after last night we can definitively say, you know, maybe mathematically they still have a shot at a playoff berth, but they're out. I mean, they're done, right? You put a fork in them. You have a coach in Jeff Saturday that I understand and respect is probably going to want to win games right now and put all chips in, to use that phrase, towards winning each game respectively. You have a general manager in Chris Ballard, one would assume, that may want to get a look at different pieces that he can inventory to find out what, in fact, he does have moving forward, even if it comes at the cost of winning particular games right now. Do they have multiple Initiatives amongst multiple people in their front office.
1: Yeah, this is a tricky spot that a lot of teams get into because usually, you know, when you are four, seven, and one, or you're in a spot where where the playoffs are not a possibility for a lot of teams, that was not the plan coming into the year, and so you have guys like who are trying to prove that they should keep jobs or just don't maybe have that security. I'm not sure where you know, where Chris Ballard falls on that. You know, for a long time here, I've thought he's, he's a guy that seems – he's always operated like he has tons of security. But I don't know how you know, anyone within the Colts organization can feel that way uh, with the way that Jim Hersey kind of managed the season. So it's one of those situations, though, where I, I think it's just going to play itself out because they can go this week and they can go into Dallas on a short week on Sunday night football and they can put all the chips in. And that's what I expect them to do. And I just think the results will push them – You know, even more down this road, where it's it's not a conversation of, you know, can they make the playoffs? It's they can't make it. You know, and when if they fall to four, eight, and one, at that point, you know, given how, you know, where the Titans are in the division, I think at that point you can you can kind of confidently say, this just isn't going to be the year for that. And so then, if if you move in that direction and you're able to kind of create a new lens for Jeff Saturday, where you say, okay. This year is becoming more developmental. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna protect the health of certain guys. Like if they if they move some players to injured reserve and they start playing, you know, gearing game plans more around Alec Pierce and developing Jelani Woods, and it's more about let's see how Jeff Saturday works within that and not make it all about, you know, just about the win loss record. Uh, there are ways to to kind of do that. That's the spot that, that uh, Carolina's in, and they're gonna kind of make a decision on Steve Wilkes as he's trying to win within this. kind of hampered situation where he doesn't have a team that's very good and doesn't have a lot of chance to win. So it's not a spot that anyone wants to be in. And and, and it gets awkward here because this was supposed to be a team that that was going all in for it. That's certainly what Matt Ryan came here for, what Stephon Gilmore came here for. So uh, it's not going to be pretty no matter how it plays out, if that's the direction it ends up going. But uh, I just think eventually the math is going to kind of make that decision for them.
0: It's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Apple Star. Him and Joel Erickson do an outstanding job on the Colts beat, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, I thought um, it was the oldest I've seen Matt Ryan look this season last night. Um, I thought it was a very relevant question to be asked in the postgame of, is Matt Ryan going to continue to be the starter? Jeff Saturday said yes, again, at Dallas this Sunday, then the bye week, and then four games to close the season. Um, I think you maybe answered it in the previous question, but when do you think the season gets to a point where we see Sam Ellinger again this year, if at all?
1: Yeah, I think it starts with that math element of it, of actually being to a point where you can't tell Matt Ryan, hey, you've got a chance at this. Uh, I also think that's another thing that, that will probably play out on the field because really all it would really take is another injury to Matt Ryan or even the type of shots that make it, feel like an injury is inevitable here uh you know a lot of the game plan that they're rolling out right now is to do anything but let him get hit and i think that's that's really limiting this offense they they look incredibly simplistic you know running routes the depth of routes they're running to just not risk any kind of hit on matt ryan and so they're kind of telling defenses exactly what they're running and you know they've got a quarterback who isn't going to extend the play and isn't going to be part of the run game and it's it's led to this this offense that Matt Ryan, you know, is not lifting up really at all. And so uh, it's just one of those where I, th- I think there will eventually be a moment on the field that that starts this conversation more, even more than just the play and the losses. something that has to do a little bit more with health situations and, and getting it there. But the, the thing they got to consider here is if the goal with, you know, if you want to move to Sam because you think he can play better or he can spark it, that's one thing. That's what they tried. That's what they said weeks ago and then they decided that that he was not that guy but if the the idea is to develop him you know you got to keep in mind that this is is still a very broken offense for any quarterback to step into you've still got a head coach who's spent three years in the NFL as a coach and a, and a play caller spent three years calling plays at any level or three games calling plays at any level and so that's not the best way to develop a young quarterback if that's what you want to do in fact I think the, the idea is that and behind the scenes is developing quite well for a guy that you know was drafted in the, the sixth round and has a developing arm and really wanted to learn a lot of the game and learn from Nick Foles and learn from um, from Matt Ryan. So there will come a time where he can learn more with live reps, but it's still, this is this year was never really supposed to be the year for him to do that on the field. So you have to wonder, kind of, you pull that plug again and you know, obviously, you send a message to Matt Ryan. You send uh, and you send one to. kind of the rest of the team, and you got to wonder if that's worth it, if it's worth it to do that um, for the possibility to develop Sam, or do you make it worse by by hurting a kid's confidence? And then the other thing they have to consider is that Matt Ryan is under contract for next season. That's going to be a decision they have to to work out, but if they get to a point where they're drafting another quarterback and they want to kind of groom him because he's not ready, you want Matt Ryan to be in on that. And so if you're pulling the rug on him a second time, benching in the second time, it just gets a little bit messy. So I think it's one of those where it's always going to be easier if they let um, something organic make that happen, um, you know, if health ends up deciding it, or or maybe it just gets so late in the year that he's willing to
2: to kind of dial it back a little bit. Nate, I'm going to give you three things. You tell me which one you think most would keep Jim Mercer awake at night. Okay. Number one, his team is sub-500. Number two, his team is considered by fans to be boring and unwatchable. Or number three, 40% of his stadium is filled with the opponent's supporters.
1: Uh, I think those last two are definitely getting there more. Uh, you know, it's bad seasons happen in the NFL. It's, it's, you know, I know it frustrates him for sure because he of all people thought this was a, a win now year, but uh, i think he i think he can at least rationalize that's where this was was kind of headed and that's why he fired a coach in the first place or at least you'd think the problem though is he really this is a new spot for him to be in where his team is kind of becoming irrelevant and also that you know just how kind of critical the the conversation's been around his franchise its direction uh him in particular like it's moved beyond the point of well, they, they had a good team, but their quarterback retired early and they're competitive and they're just coming come up a little bit short. Uh, the, the further that this goes, you know, and if they – especially the way that that it's going of you know, scoring 16 points a game and moments like last night where they're on national TV and they have zero yards after the first quarter, that's stuff that I know Jim Irsay pays attention to. He very much is looking out for sort of the image of the franchise, the – and just the overall momentum of it with locally and nationally. And he loves getting primetime games. And he was on top of the world last year when in the moments that they were in primetime, you know, they beat the Cardinals on Christmas and they beat the Patriots. And so he really wants them to play their best in those moments. So when they are not moving the ball and, you know, there's opposing fans that are, that are getting loud, there and getting more energized for the game than his home fans. It's all keeping me up keeping up up at night. And I think that's why he's managed the season the way he has. And that's been the big disconnect is some fans have thought the moves this franchise has made uh this year have been to tank. And it's it's so far from the truth. He he's doing all this out of desperation to win and to try and get a team that on Monday night football can come out there and, and be competitive. And he really thought that, that this was gonna be a change that, that helped in that direction with Jeff Saturday and like he thought with Sam Ellinger, he really thought these would be sparks that, that would get it there. And so each time that there's a reality moment, like, uh, you know, at, at New England putting up three points, uh, and then he, you know, he reacts by firing the coach. This, this is another one that's going to sting for him, the way that the offense looked, the way that it's not fixed, and the way that uh, the energy within the game was for another team in that game that was three and seven, and it wasn't his.
0: Nate, last one for me, and again, Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star covers the Colts alongside Joel Erickson. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. This is certainly not near the top of the Colts' issues this season, but a storyline entering the year is how would Michael Pittman and/or Jonathan Taylor play in kind of contract years for them? I mean, that's that's typically how you know good second-round picks—that's um, how their third year is viewed. It's a four-year rookie contract. Um, do you think they have been a slight disappointment, considering, you know, maybe the preseason expectations for them? Again, when you factor in maybe the second contracts that you saw from the wideout group uh, in the previous draft class of the DK Metcalfs, Debo Samuel's, those guys, and then in Taylor's case, um, a little bit of health related on that front, but it just seems like you can't ignore these fumbles.
1: Yeah, I think they would both tell you that it's disappointing. Uh, This year I know Michael Pittman would certainly say that he's become kind of the most self-critical player on the Colts and he's the one that will set super high goals. And uh, he hasn't told me what his goals are for this year, but he told me last year and they were, you know, 1300 yards and all pro and, uh, and he said this, this year's goals were higher. And I think that first game, when they came out, I mean, from a team perspective, it was not good for them to tie the Houston Texans. But those two, you know, those two were dominant in that game. Um, they both had 100-plus you know, yards and a touchdown, and that felt like this is how this would go. Is those two would have to carry them. That day it didn't, it didn't end up being enough, but, uh, but it has not built on that at all. Like last night was Michael Pittman Jr.'s first touchdown since the opener, uh, which is kind of shocking to think about. Jonathan Taylor went uh, from the opener all the way until the Raiders game, so he got his second uh, touchdown. So, our second rushing touchdown. And so I think both of them, they can take her some responsibility because they've had moments that they want back. Jonathan Taylor's had the fumbles. Michael Pittman has has had a couple drops in his own fumble against the Titans. Uh, they, they've not kind of risen above what's going on here. But I think if you're being fair, you have to realize, like, this offense isn't set up for really anyone to thrive. And really you look across the board, and the only player that you'd say is kind of, you know, meeting or exceeding what he wanted coming in right now is probably Paris Campbell, uh, because even you know Alec Pierce was doing it for for a bit, and then that's that's since fallen off in the past few weeks, uh, just naturally because there aren't targets to go around and and all of that. It's just an offense where you know their, their offensive line just missed the boat so much that it's you know it's it's gotten too many play too many players hurt along the way. Taylor got hurt has dealt with that all season long. He's not been himself. Matt Ryan has gotten hurt, uh, you know, and it's it's just made it, you know, now, now they're to the point where they don't want Matt Ryan to get hurt so they don't run plays down the field. So we only got to see Michael Pittman, like last night, that jump ball he had where he, he got the pass interference call on the Steelers. That's the kind of play that he ran all the time last year. That's what got him to 1,000 yards, and they aren't even attempting. They're, and this, they're intentionally telling everyone we're not attempting those because we don't want to get Matt Ryan hurt. And they think that's kind of the new identity of their offense is trying to survive just a complete lack of blocking up front. And so when you have that, it's hard to overcome for any players. Now, as great as these two are, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, they are, you know, they are third-year players. They, they, haven't, um, they haven't quite hit that level of just, you know, dominating no matter the circumstances. And, and that was kind of been, the, the I guess, the tough bill to, to swallow at least with Uh, at least with Taylor, I think, you know, coming off the the year where he led the league in rushing by uh, almost, you know, by more than 500 yards was that, you know, he is mortal and he does need a system. And and last year they, for for some of the flaws of the offense, they had a run game system with Jack Doyle and an offensive line that did run block pretty well. And that was their identity. and, uh, and, And it was new to the league. And this year it's all kind of falling apart and it just kind of showed you just how difficult this league is, and that's, I think that's what they're having to realize and, and work through right now is, like, this league is super hard. You can't do it on your own, and too many times this year they've been left to do it
2: on their own. Nate, you stop at a gas station. You go in to get a soft drink. What are you buying?
1: Oh, depends. I'm I'm a big coffee guy. I was going to
2: say, I see Nate's okay.
0: shotgun coffee so, in the Bulls media room.
2: So you go to buy, let's say, a bottle of, like, the Starbucks pre-made coffee, whatever, you open the, the – you twist the cap, and a genie pops out. The genie says, Nate, thank you so much. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game. You go, okay. And he says, I'm going to give you four names. You've got to write down, you've got to select one of those names. And if they are a member of the Colts organization one calendar year from today in the same capacity that they're a member of the organization right now, I'm going to give you $10 million. And you go, great. And he says, the four names that you have to pick from, if they are in the same job and role with the Colts one year from now as they are right today, your four names are Bobby Okereke, Chris Ballard, Matt Ryan, and Jeff Saturday. Which one do you pick?
1: Oh, interesting. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Chris Ballard. Still, uh, it's tough because I think that one's going to come down to the coach he's going to work with. Um, so it's kind of going down a different rabbit hole. But I I ultimately think that that's there's going to be a rationalization from Jim Mercedes there often has been that that this
2: is uh, that this is.
1: You know, not Chris Ballard's job. So, not not his uh, not his fault, I guess. This is season. Chris
2: Ballard finally going to be allowed to hire a coach? Because he did it one time, and that guy didn't want to come. And since then, Chris Ballard uh, has worked with, I guess, what three coaches now, and he didn't hire any of them. Yeah, that's a
1: great question, and and that's and that's going to be a question that that Chris has to answer too. Is if, if this is still the fit for him? And um, also, it's that's that's a, that's a totally weird, different uh, entanglement to get into. But, yeah, that's a good question. It's all tough because I was, I was tempted. I, I don't think it'll end up being Jeff Saturday in this exact role. Um, but it, to me, it was between Ballard and, uh, and Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is under contract, and they may just roll with that. Um, but, you know, they, they may pull the plug, too, and, and, and really go in that direction. So that's it's a really tough one. It's the toughest franchise to kind of predict this, this future path going on because it's hard to even know. <laughs> you know. It's hard to know what they'll be in a month let alone from uh, the start of next year. But I guess if I had to guess right now, I think that they'll find some way to kind of just give Chris Ballard a chance at a reset here. Uh, And you would think that that would come with those things where he can pick his head coach and then he'll need to pick his quarterback and not from, you know, a a group of stopgap options, but actually draft one for the first time, draft one to be the starter. That's got to be the, that's the thing Chris Ballard's never done. And maybe you can argue he never – I think if if you want to keep him around, the argument is he's never quite gotten a good situation to do it in. And this will be the year that that they try it and see how it goes. But, yeah, that is
0: hard to predict exactly how that's going to play out. Yeah, predicting what Jim Mercer is going to do is a game that um, you probably aren't going to win at, frankly. Um, Nate, I know it was a late night for you and a quick turnaround this morning, so really appreciate you hopping on with us. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow out there at the Complex.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on.